Okay, and you can give us an update and then we'll go to the questions. So the, uh, there's a translation going on in Polish and Spanish at the same time. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Nice to be with all of the devotees from around the world. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> as far as my situation, I don't have much to add. Uh, nothing has changed. At the moment, I'm in, uh, in my room in Palo Alto for a couple of days. Um, we, here with Gurnish and Vinranya, we had a little bit of an editing marathon. So that's been good. And uh, we'll return shortly to Audarium. So with that, why don't we go ahead and take the questions. Okay. Um, this first question is from Padmanabhaswamy and he sent it to me to ask, so I'll read it. Um, These days I have been hearing one lecture from a well-known Christian apologist who when asked, why he was a Christian and not otherwise, mainly stressed a typical cornerstone for Christianity. That in other religions, acceptance comes at the end of the journey, but in Christianity, it comes at the very beginning, thus implying that he found in that particular process the most powerful type of mercy, being saved from day one, concepts similarly entertained by the Sri Vaishnavas. Of course, I'm not sure this person is aware of the generous reach and dispensation of Sriman Mahaprabhu. So since we do, I would like to hear you share some thoughts and connection to how we as Gaudiyas are to deal with the concept of being saved from day one. Of course, in consideration of the possibility of Aparad affecting such a prospect, but also and mainly to some, to how sometimes devotees conceive of a distorted idea of humility, overemphasizing the fact that we are extremely fallen in the sense of concluding that we do not deserve such a gift. It's too high for us and we are not qualified for that. All of which may end up discouragement and actual lack of humility proper. So since I've heard you mainly emphasize the notion that we should think we are already embarked on our path towards Krishna, I would ask you to please share some additional words on how to coexist with these different elements. Long question there, but um... Do I need to give the devotees in Poland some time to translate that question? Well, they're, they're simultaneously translating, so you can just, oh, okay. you can just go. Um, I see. Well, I would, uh, first of all, uh, question the idea that in Christianity, one is saved from the beginning. Um, as that scholar seems to uh, say, I realize that um, the teaching 
uh, of accepting Jesus into your life um, I guess it does. There is thought to uh, guarantee uh, salvation. Um, but I guess I would question what it what it means to accept Jesus as one's savior. I mean, obviously, one could do that in name. Hmm? If I accept someone as my my savior, I I I would I would uh, think that that amounted to following um, his example and so forth and. Uh, I don't really understand how a Christian theologian can make an argument that just by accepting Jesus, one is saved. When just accepting Jesus in one's life um, as one's savior can be just something that someone mouths if you will, and um, their subsequent lifestyle and activities don't uh, necessarily correspond with the, with the teachings. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, on the one hand, you have someone just says, I accept Jesus in my life and uh, I'm a sinner, I can't do anything about it, um, but I love Jesus. And they're a uh, kind of a fanatical Christian, let's say, for example, who, who continually and repeatedly expresses their acceptance of Jesus and so on and so forth to the point of absurdity um, in terms of how that uh, acceptance, so-called, does not correspond with their lifestyle. And there are just so many examples of that. So you take a person like that, and then you take someone who's an ardent follower of, of, uh, of Christianity, accepts the salvation theory and story of Jesus's descent and ascent and, uh, and so on, and really strives to live a, a uh, Christ-like life and so forth. I, I don't know how the two of them um, are guaranteed equal um, results, which seems to be the implication of the statement that Christianity is, is best because you're saved from the beginning just by accepting, I, I assume that means just by accepting uh, Jesus. Um, and so, 
what it means to accept Jesus is obviously subject to interpretation. And I'm sure there are a number of Christians that uh, interpret that differently or in a more um, comprehensive, translated to, to imply more comprehensive acceptance that involves a change of radical, a change of lifestyle. I mean, after he was quite radical and he asked his followers to follow him and his example. Now, you know, I think that there's a lot of room in Christianity for being an ardent follower, but failing in one's attempts to follow and lead, lead the good life and so forth. And the idea that Christianity and the acceptance um, of, 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 the, of Jesus and his dispensation can make up for that. Hmm? Um, that that's reasonable. Hmm? Um, but again, the other extreme where there's not that, that striving and it's in name only and, um, and at the same time espousing acceptance of, of Jesus as one's uh, savior, one is uh, um, bigoted, and uh, we see that that kind of a thing. Um, so, so I, 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 at the onset, I, I, I question. I would respond to such a person, uh, you know, in, in this way to begin with, um, and then. Um, Marge's question kind of ignores that and just looks at it from the point of view, if we accept what he says, do we have anything in, in Bhakti that corresponds with that? Um, and, and he has referred to the Sri Vaishnavas. There, are, there, are, there is that kind of a emphasis in Sri Vaishnavism, accepting uh, Vishnu, one is one is delivered, even though one who may not be perfect and, and self-realized uh, at the time of death, um, they can attain that status, uh, that liberated status or salvation. Um, I think that um, that that is uh, similar to the idea of accepting Christianity and striving, you know, really to, to, to do so in a meaningful way um, and with proper understanding of the teaching, what, what it actually constitutes to, to, to follow and to, and to accept and so forth. Um, so those would be two examples, I would say, of, of Bhakti's power mm -hmm, to, uh, deliver one from material existence um, despite one's lack of uh, qualification uh, or one lacking the fully qualified status, for example, of, of, of a Jivan Mukta or having attained, as it is in our school of thought, uh, Bhava, Prema, and so on. Uh, but um, 
our texts are and commentaries, I should say, are are uh, not without the teaching that uh, mixed forms of bhakti um, or uh, would speak of uh, pure bhakti, not mixed with gyan, for example, karma or yoga um, can liberate one without one's having to have become perfect in this life. And if, if I'm understanding Marge's question, that's kind of what it's about. So you can look, for example, in the sixth canto of the Bhagavatam where Kapila is instructing his uh, mother Devahuti and the comments of Mishnah Shakvati Thakur in particular, he speaks of attaining Baikuntha through Karma Mishra Bhakti, um, um, while still having material desires, the ability to attain Baikuntha through Bhakti. So the, 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 this would be, I would think, similar or analogous to uh, a reasonable idea of what it means to accept Jesus and be saved. Mm -hmm. um, I think one can accept Vishnu as, 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 as the God did and, um, and not be perfect in self-realization, and the teaching is clear in this regard, attained by Kuntha. And there are different statuses also within by Kuntha. Um, uh, now, if we go to Gaudiya Vaishnavism and its ideal of Rag Bhakti, well, that's, that's very uh, specific. Hmm? And uh, it, uh, it, it requires uh, something more. But the attainment is, is, is um, alluring and sufficiently attractive, I would think, uh, to uh, compel one to uh, go the distance and um, be patient and uh, however many lifetimes it takes, so to speak, um, to participate. That is to say, in Krishna's Leela in Braj, to be a participant there, to have Leela Seva. Um, if you get an orientation towards that through uh, Bhakti Samskars received from some Pradaya like ours, Sansadu Sangha. Uh, and then you start to talk about life, if you will, in Baikuntha, what it's like, you probably won't find it uh, attractive, although it's easier to go to. Hmm? Um, and so the, the ideal of Braj um, um, Bhakti is, is so alluring, so attractive, so compelling, that I think that it, that it that not only it gives one the impetus, to uh, attain that, even though it may take longer, it's also, I believe, easier, um, more, uh, uh, the time uh, is not as much of an, much of an, <laughs> much of an issue, if you will, if one um, applies oneself 
in the, in the practice, as Mahaprabhu said, Mama Janmani Janmanishwari Bhavatar Bhakti Arahitakitai. One loses, even in the context of the practicing stage, higher stages of practice, any concern for the, the time it may take. He says life after life, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You got a taste for, for bhakti. Um, so I'm kind of dancing around the topic, if you will, but um, that said, um, yes, it, it is the teaching that uh, in order to enter into the Braj Lila and have Lila Seva there as a participant, to have a, a, a role there as a gopa or, or a gopi, one has to attain perfection of one's practice in this life, take birth in the manifest Leela, and then enter there. Um, and that's in, it's in a sense a tall order. And in that sense, yes, salvation is required on attaining some considerable measure of, of perfection rather than it being a result of just accepting the path. Uh, so there does seem to be a, a difference there. But that said, I think that um, accepting the path of Krishna Bhakti, um, Chaitanya Bhakti, um, also does carry with it the uh, sense that one is saved by, by doing so in, in the idea that, well, you've got the, the seed hmm, of that and it will, it will grow. It may take time hmm, um, and it will, and the way, in the, the way in which that salvation will manifest will be, will be gradually, even in this, this world and over lifetimes. But I think you could make an argument that because bhakti is near guna, means beyond the gunas, if there is an ingress of bhakti, even in seed form and in the form of impressions through sadhu sangha, um, that, uh, that you have um, kind of a an anchor or a, a an anchor in in that in that in that realm, and bhakti being near guna is not uh, nothing of this world can destroy it. Hmm? So you could make the argument because the nature of bhakti, as opposed to attainments through gyan or yoga, which are governed by Vasatvaguna, what to speak of attainments, material attainments um, driven by, by Rajaguna. Because bhakti is near guna, then whatever bhakti you get, you, you, you don't lose it. Nothing, let's say nothing in this world could take it away from you. Hmm? Um, um, we even see the idea that offending bhakti in very developed form of bhakti and bhava bhakti, if you should make a horrendous offense to a Vaishnava, even though you're a bhava bhakti, you don't, at least according to Rupa Goswami's uh, bhakti resume to Sindhu, you don't lose bhakti altogether. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there's a strong emphasis, as the Gita emphasized from the very beginning in Krishna's yoga discourse, it begins with bhakti and it ends with bhakti. Little endeavor in this path is eternal. Hmm? There's no, there can never be any loss or diminution. So he's talking about something that can't be something governed by sattva guna or rajaguna or tamaguna, it has to be nirguna. So that's, and bhakti is, an, is, is a nirguna form of yoga. And that's where he begins his discourse on yoga. Of course, he ends the discourse at the end of the sixth chapter by extolling the virtues of, of, of bhakti. Hmm. Um, what does he say there? Um, anyway, um, he, he says it's the best, best form of yoga. I can't remember the verse, uh, the last verse. So, um, so anyway, the point is that, that, that you could make an argument, I think, that if you receive the seed of bhakti through, through sadhu sangha, through guru parampara, you're saved. Hmm? You've got, uh, you've got, uh, you, uh, you, you, your name's in the book. To be able to speak about it in, in a Christian way, your name's in the book um, there. You've been entered in and it's not gonna come out. Not, like, at least nothing from this world can, can cause it to, uh, be erased. Now, how that unfolds, that salvation, of course, then that's another thing, over time and so forth. But um, um, you can make the same argument, I think, for Christianity. You're saved, yes, but um, you have to, because you have the seed, but you have to grow the seed and it takes time. They have kind of a one lifetime perspective on it, um, which is a little different than ours, but but I think anyway, as I say, there's um, uh, some scope for making the argument that that Bhakti is extremely generous. Our ideal is very high, but that it's been made available is, it speaks of its extraordinary uh, extraordinarily generous nature as well. As Pujapachi Shiramar used to say, well, if you take the highest thing and you give it to the lowest people with, without asking any qualification, then you've got true magnanimity. So that's another way to look at it. What's being offered in terms of salvation in Christianity and how does it compare to what's being offered in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism? It's pretty, I don't even know how you would compare them. I mean, what information is there about heaven and what it's like there and what is the nature of the qualities of God and, and so on and so forth um, uh, compared to you know, Gaudiya Vaishnava, it's, it's actually describing the, the character, the nature, the qualities, the personality with examples from his, his the way he passes his time, his leelas, um, uh, it's very, very friendly, very, very user-friendly. Uh, I mean, the whole of, from our point of view, of material existence is based on an, a, uh, uh, material existence is based on pursuing sense objects hmm, through, the, through the medium of, of the senses, which, by which an identity is, is uh, results. 
material sense of self. Um, that's called kama. Interestingly, the, the kama and prema come from the same Sanskrit verbal root, or, or they come from different roots, which mean the same thing. Kama comes from the root kama, and prema comes from the root pre. Both mean desire. Hmm? So uh, we interact with sense objects through the senses, and we that fosters a material selfish sense of identity. Now we may extend that sense of identity through identification with family members or a nation state um, and become less, uh, less selfish, so to speak, in doing so. But even if you die for the nation, well, according to our teaching, you, you have to take birth again. Whereas if you bring Krishna into the picture, and it's a very precise picture. It's a very detailed picture. Um, and he, and it's human-like. So here you've got a friend. You've got a lover. You've got a son. Hmm? And these are his qualities. And, he, and if you look at it carefully, what the Goswamis are saying is, is, this, is that you couldn't find a son better than this. It's just impossible. You couldn't find a friend better than this. You couldn't find a lover better than better than him. Hmm? So here is the Godhead on high, coming down in human-like form in the full sense of the term. In Christianity, you have a partial human expression of the Godhead in the form of Christ and his, um, um, you know, making as his thought-making sacrifice for for humanity. Uh, you can bond with that emotionally, but uh, the ways in which you can bond emotionally and we're emotional beings with Krishna are, are unlimited. Hmm? Um, it's so, so magnanimous, it's so user-friendly that the Godhead is appearing in human-like form with all the frailties even of, 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 of humanness, which, which when we hear them in the descriptions of the Leela, we, we just... It, it's that everybody laughs at that part of the you know the discourse or bonds with it. Oh, he's like that, like me. He's like me. So this is a, a very uh, extraordinary um, dispensation on the part of the God of appear human-like in every sense of the term, human-like, and 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 then full so, so many detailed descriptions that it's so easy then to, to then think, well, I accept Krishna as my son, Krishna is my friend, Krishna is my, my lover. Hmm? And, 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 and now we're moving from calm to, to praying, right? Hmm? It's, a, it's a desire, each, is, each in the Sanskrit root means desire, but one desire is, is results in, in transcending material existence, the other, yeah. Uh, continues uh, life of material bondage. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways, I mean, I'm just kind of going off on a tangent, but a lot of ways in which you could talk about the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the appearance of Krishna in the world, Krishna Bhakti as being extraordinarily magnanimous and generous. And, and, uh, and, and again, back to, to your point specifically, 
I think that if you're touched by that, you're, you're even if you don't want to be. Okay, here's a, a way to think about it. In Christianity, you have to accept Jesus. In, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Bhakti, you don't even have to accept it. And still, you're going to get your name in the book. Hmm? Because even if unknowingly you serve a sadhu, uh, you hear the holy name chanted by real sadhus, hmm? then bhakti samskars come and they are of an eternal nature. So bhakti is going to even to the even to the animal species and the plant species is the teaching. Their their names are being put in the book. Their atmas are being put in the book. Yes, they have to attain human birth first, and then so on and so forth. But but they're they're saved in in a, in a way that uh, in a significant I mean sense because in our teaching without bhakti without the grace there's no possibility hmm? there's no possibility by gyan by yoga by any kind of physical mental anything that we could do um, on our own so once that dispensation comes from the other side now you have a, you have a ticket there you've got a ticket you've got a you've got a visa you know you, you have to, Make some time for them to process it, <laughs> and uh, actually return your passport with it, uh, and, and so forth. But uh, it's in process, and so there's a sense in which, just by being touched by bhakti, one is saved, even though the way in which that salvation will play out will take some time. So, those are some thoughts. I hope that's helpful. Gurmash, can I add one point? Yeah. Um, about the whole idea in Christianity that you don't have to do anything to, uh, as long as you accept Jesus. That's, as far as I know, that's actually like a centuries long, kind of like a feud between the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church came up with this idea of the original sin. And that's basically what they're using the idea of original sin to say that you can't do anything because you're inherently sinful. So all you can do is accept Jesus, who's going to, lift you out of the material world basically and the the eastern orthodox church doesn't believe in the original sin so that's i think the crux of why they have those two different ways of thinking about it that's within the catholic church and then there's all the episcopalians and methodists and so forth not sure how they think about it or what particular um strand of form of christianity that that scholar is affiliated with um but yeah, thank you for that that comment. Okay, um, David. And of course, you can always go to ISKCON. Everybody thinks they're saved there because of Prabhupada, you know, <laughs> just accepted him. So there, you can join that school of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and make an argument for as good as Christianity or better. Just accept Prabhupada. Um, David Pati. I'm going to ask you a question. You have to unmute yourself. Uh, Srila Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Uh, Hare Krishna to all the Vaishnavas assembled. So this, my question uh, is somehow continuing this discussion about karma, from karma to prema. Uh, 
some time ago, I was listening to the lecture of Srila Prabhupada, where he basically spoke about Bilma Mangala uh, life, uh, Thakur's life. And he explained everything with this uh, Chintamani prostitute and he, how he went to Vrindavan when he was like woken up disillusion for time being by Chintamani. But when he arrived to Vrindavan, still, he still could not control his attraction to at least watching beautiful women. And uh, finally, one day when he went to this Grihasta in whose wife Bilba Vangan was attracted, uh, Bilba Mangan again came to his senses, like what I'm doing here, why I'm uh, so much attracted. And he ultimately asked a pair of hairpins from this lady and he voluntarily pierced his eyes and made himself blind. So from this lecture, it was uh, crucial for me. And therefore I'm asking this question, the situation when Srila Prabhupada said that Bilba Mangan Thakur practiced devotional service in his previous birth up to the point of Bhava Bhakti. Uh, so in my understanding, there is this verse, Adoshada Tata Sadhu Sango. And in this verse, we are being informed that uh, before the stage of Bhava Bhakti, there are stages like Anartha Nivriti, Nishta Ruchi, and Asakti, during which one is amongst other things being cleansed from the dirt on one's heart. Uh, so thinking about all this, I'm a little bit disappointed or discouraged in a sense, how long time it will take uh, that we overcome this. And I formulated my question like this, when is the exact moment in the process of the development of bhakti in one's heart, when the attraction to beautiful women is overcome and one has no desire to even see beautiful women, what to speak, of having sex with them. Well, I think that uh, the story of Bill Longo Tapor is, 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 is interesting. And, um, and uh, the, in particular, I think what needs to be emphasized with regard to your question is the way in which he reacted to the um, purported uh, desire. There is a tendency amongst devotees, and it's quite natural, that as they really progress in on the path, they will um, paint a picture of themselves and look at themselves in a way that uh, is somewhat uh, deprecating, self-deprecating. And um, their experience being that, that they're receiving grace and they feel that the measure of the grace, the experience of it is, doesn't measure up to being a equal reward, if you will, for what they've done. If what they've done, whether lifetimes of sacrifice and so forth with that in our estimation, we hear about what, what they've done, and it seems very extraordinary. Still, their experience is that the reciprocation, if you will, from the Godhead so outweighs what they've done that they can only think that they're being, they're being blessed and that their qualifications are, uh, are, are they're lacking, if anything, in, in, in qualification. 
Hmm? So there's this uh, kind of magnifying, if you will, of, of one's, one's fault that we find on the path, part of advanced uh, devotees. Sometimes we hear it in their songs, and it's a little, it's a little embarrassing. How can how can he think like that? You know, he's so advanced, and uh, just out of humility, he's saying that the nature of humility does cause one to think like that. Um, and for the reasons that I've I've I've, I've explained, and so um, when. What we're dealing with in the case of Bilba Mangala Thakur in Vrindavan is his own, first of all, explanation of his experience. And along with that, we have the corresponding reaction on his part to it. Mm-hmm. So for on the one hand, how to, he looked at the wife of the Brahmin in whose house he had come, like I was supposed to beg or something like that. Then he considered that, that there was some element of lust in his, uh, in his heart. Hmm? Now, whether there was from anyone else's calculation is another thing. Let me, let me, before I go on with that, let me give you another example. We had the example of Madhavendra Puri. He went to the temple of uh, he went from Vrindavan to to Orissa to get sandalwood for his deity, and when he was in Orissa, he met the deity at, at Chiratra Gopinath, who's named after the incident uh, in which he stole sweet rice from the offering, hid it under his dress, called a pujari in a dream, and said, "Find Madhavendra Puri; he's my devotee. Give him his sweet rice." The backstory of that is that Madhavendapuri wanted had gone there, and he, he this sweet rice was a specialty of that temple, and he thought if I could taste that, then I would know how to prepare it for my Gopal when I return. And after that thought came in his mind, he thought, just see, I'm just here to taste sweet rice. <laughs> I call myself a sadhu. People call me a sadhu, but I'm just interested in tasting sweet rice. And I pretend that it's for the pleasure of Gopal, and he left the temple. Well, uh, meanwhile, Chirachar Gopinath, Gopinathji, he took the sweet rice that was offered and hid it, and, and then called the Pujari in a dream and said, Find Madhavendapuri and give him the sweet rice. So, how Krishna responded to it was different than the way Madhavendapuri was thinking about it. So, the Pujari went into the marketplace and called Madhavendapuri, Madhavendapuri, Gopinath has stolen some sweet rice for it. And of course, um, Caught up with him, and uh, and then he was praised, Madhavendra, by all the all the devotees. So we might look at uh, Milva Mangal Thakur's reaction in that way, and and by if we could look more carefully, we see there's really no fault on his part. And then, of course, uh, the way in which he reacted to it is is extraordinary and extreme, hmm? which indicates that he's a very advanced devotee. In other words, he thought. With my eyes, I've looked lustfully on another man's wife, just see. So he asked for her hairpins. And then, as you say, he, he blinded himself. And you, you, there's a statement in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that even if there appears to be a blemish on the part of a devotee in Bhava Bhakti, it, it should be overlooked because he has Bhava. Hmm? So there's another 
side to that, which is that there may be characteristics or parabda that's like going on, that's not affecting a devotee, but may show up. But if he or she has bhava, then who cares? Now, you can't abuse that statement because you can't imitate that you have bhava very well and convince too many people unless they're foolish um, and there are symptoms for what it, for one who has attained, attained bhava, uh, objective uh, you know, way of looking at it, that subjective experience objectively has been shared with us by Rupa Goswami. So, um, so there may be room for some, some blemish that's, that doesn't really affect the devotee. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Prabhupada used to give the example of pulling out the plug in the fan, electric fan, the fan will continue to, continue, continue to go around for a little while. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that something like that may show up in, or be apparent in the life of a great devotee, but his faith or her faith and experience and realization in Baba, as we're speaking about it, um, would be a, uh, the uh, factor to obviously emphasize um, that's something that's eternal. What's going on, what's going around the fan that's coming to an end. Um, and it's not affecting his or her bhakti, obviously. So then, but then precisely to your question, at what stage one becomes free from the, the attraction to the, uh, between the sexes, free from sexual attraction. Um, uh, I would say um, that with the, um, in the context of bhakti, uh, that in the stage of, I, I think in the stage of nishta, you, you would say it, it's 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 there, but not a factor, hmm? um, because this, this, the the practice is so consistent, steady, and well reasoned hmm? that it doesn't have a chance to. To fructify, and in Ruchi, then Mahaprabhu says, "Nadanam, nadjanam, nasundarim." Nasundarim means that this sexual attraction. He says, "I don't have this anymore." Mm-hmm. Um, it, but r- rather, the material desire has been now significantly been replaced with material desire. Say, with spiritual desire. He said, "I only have desire for bhakti." Mm-hmm. So this is in the higher stages of sadhana bhakti. Pujapachita Maharaj used to say, in Ruchi, one is safe. Um, so you might look at Nishta as, well, you know, you got a life raft thrown to you, hang on to it, you're hanging on to it. Ruchi, you're, you're, you're pulled up. You're being pulled up. Asakti, you're on the boat. And then the boat has to get to, get out of the deep water and Onto the land, ultimately you're you're in frame, something like that. So does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Very okay. Guru Mangal Thakur Ki Jai.
Hare Krishna, I just wanted to make a comment. I was listening to um, Satyarayan Babaji giving a class and someone asked him about this story of Bivol Mangal Thakur. And according to him, the common story that he took out his eyes is not possible. It's not possible? Yes, because a devotee would not um, harm their sadaka deha. Anyway, that's what he said. <laughs> oh, well, it's, uh, I think there's some literature <laughs> to the effect that he did. Um, what would be, uh, some reasoning to the, uh, to the contrary. I mean, uh, it's a famous, famous story. And, it, and um, it concludes, of course, with, um, Krishna appearing to him in his blindness. So, anyway, Sadhupadeha is something to take care of. That, that's, that's true, too. But in madness, one can do things that one would not otherwise do. Spiritual madness. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out entirely on that basis, but it's an interesting point that he raises. Jitahari, you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Morning, Guru Morning. Um, so I was reading in the Gopal Champu, and the 23rd chapter, just the beginning of the Rasalila, and the Jiva Goswami says, as a Vyabhichari Bhav becomes a Stai Bhav, and the Stai Bhav becomes a Vyabhichari Bhav. And as one attains one's desires from previous births by pious acts, so the gopis embrace Krishna and Krishna embrace Radha and attain joy with joking. So I'm sure you can imagine what I'm finding confusing here is that first line. What was it again? As a Vyabhichari Bhav becomes a Stai Bhav and the Stai Bhav becomes a Vyabhichari Bhav, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it'd probably be good to look at the, you know, look at the Sanskrit there itself, but um, um, there is, uh, of course, the idea that there are the separate ingredients of Bhakti Rasa. You have the Stai Bhav, and when this is combined with the Sanchari Bhavs, Anubhavs, Vibhavs and Sattvika Bhavs, uh, then you have Bhakti Rasa. Mm-hmm. And so, but in Bhakti Rasa, they're, 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 they're one thing mm-hmm. rather than independent entities, so to speak. They've all been combined into one thing. And you can talk about it, and this is happening, that's that, but it's one thing, it's Bhakti, Bhakti Rasa. So he may be speaking about something like that when when there's no distinction between Sanchari and, and, and Vyabhichari, they they've, can be sufficiently combined together to be Bhakti Rasa, an entity unto itself, so to speak. Hmm. So in Bhava Bhakti, you can kind of talk about the more separate ingredients in Bhakti Rasa, they are one, although they, you know, they, they show themselves here, here and there. It's all an expression of Bhakti Rasa itself. So he may be saying, uh, something like that, um, but I'd have to uh, maybe take a look at it or look at the original language. It could be 
could be mistaken in the translation. Uh, but it sounds like he's saying when all these things are, you know, combined together and uh, one leads to, is, is an aspect of the other, and uh, which is more or less the, the, the way in which Bhakti Rasa or Prem and its, and its, and its development, further developments are described. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Greg, do you want to mute yourself and ask your question? Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Um, thank you for these calls and uh, for the community you're creating. Yeah, it's fabulous. Um, I, uh, I have a question. My question is about um, basically around the proliferation of kirtan these days. Um, what's, the, what's the use of song kirtan um, without sound philosophy and proper instruction to back it up? And what problems... Um, do you could you just speak a little bit about that? Um, can uh, is it possible for Sankirtan to survive on its own without the philosophy and um, instruction mm -hmm. to back it up? Mm -hmm. Well, this was a big issue for um, thank you for your question for Bhakti Thakur in his time in Bengal when he became a Gaudiya Vaishnava. Um, attracted uh, to the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Chaitanya Charitamrita, he properly understood the Bhagavatam and became a great, uh, you know, greatest spokesperson in modern times for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, really. Um, and uh, as he was doing so, uh, not only was he reaching out and showing the universal breadth of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, but he was also at the same time seeking to reform uh, the tradition and distinguish the tradition from various um, uh, deviations from what Orthodox Gaudi Vaishnavism is, what the actual, let's say, teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are. Um, and so uh, uh, on the, in, in, in Bengal and other parts as well, he was also visited Vrindavan and, and uh, Puri and spent time there. And the state of affairs in his estimation, I think is historically accurate, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism was um, such that it, it wasn't, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, spiritual vitality present. And one of the things that he noted was that people are chanting, but they're not making progress. They don't know, um, they lack, in his terms, they lacked Sambandha Gyan, and therefore their kirtan lacking in Sambandha Gyan was not fruitful. Let's take an exa extreme example. Let's say you're chanting the holy name, but you don't have any sambandagyan. Therefore, you don't know that there are offenses to the name or what the offenses are. Then you may commit them. Then you, you'll be chanting, but you won't be making progress. So he was seeing things like that because they would do kirtan for 
uh, Radha Krishna, and maybe then go and do kirtan for Durga Kali and think it was the same, which would be an offense to, to the name of Krishna. Um, so uh, that's an extreme example, but it it it, uh, it carries over in a, in a in a more comprehensive sense that the shraddha, the faith that gives elig eligibility, is to be derived from um, understanding the the argument, if you will, that, that we sometimes refer to it as shastriya shraddha. Shraddha derived from uh, from what, what, the, what the scripture is saying, bhakti is what its efficacy is, and so on and so forth. So he saw, at any rate, there was a, 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 a large uh, lack or considerable lack of uh, sambandha gyan, proper proper teaching, proper siksha. This is where this emphasis that sometimes you hear today on siksha comes from, from bhakti note in his time. Hmm? He's not saying siksha is more important than diksha, but he's saying people receive a diksha, but they're not getting any siksha. And the, and the gurus that are giving the diksha don't, don't have the siksha to give them. So they're chanting, but it's a problem. So I think that there's a historical precedent for that, that our whole paribar, Bhaktivinoda paribar, as we refer to it, comes out of. And so to see it manifest again a century later, if you will, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we should be able to call it out for what it is by reference back to uh, the, the, the kind of the patron saint of our our Sampradaya, um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And so, yeah, you, you see this, you see people going out doing, doing uh, Sankirtan kind of um, with this mentality that just doing this, people hear the name, this, this this is all there is to it. Um, this is the essence of it, and and without it, even they, they go the other side. Without it, there's a there's a there's a huge problem. I mean, I was in Bombay with uh, well, I was in Vrindavan and Prabhupada in Bombay stopped the devotees from going out on Haryanam Sankirtan in the public. This is in India in in Bombay because he felt the people weren't respecting the uh, the uh, this, the devotees and their sankirtan, so he stopped it. Hmm. Um, uh, meanwhile, they did kirtan in the temple, you know, for during the artiks and, and so on and so forth. So there's sometimes this idea I've seen coming out of some sects that you have to be in public eye doing sankirtan, and that's the, the definition of sankirtan. Without that, it's not sankirtan, and without sankirtan, there's no purification. There's no, there's no possibility. This is this is a distortion of the teaching. One person can do sankirtan, uh, or two people in in their in their in their room or behind, you know, under a rock. Um, uh, it's, it's not required that uh, that they go in, in, into the public uh, sector necessarily, um, and. And you know another example that's Bhakti Siddhanta extended the idea of Sankirtan to the, to the printing press, taking the teachings everywhere, teaching teaching the, the sambanda, the, the the teachings that underlie the the practice, um, and spreading them everywhere. So I think you have to look a little, think a little dynamically about that. And uh, I, I think that number one, if you're a Sankirtan, is 
is putting people off or, you know, people make a mockery of it or the devotees can make a mockery of it too. I've, I've seen and and they, they, they do kirtan and some, some crazy person comes starts dancing and then they think it's great. He, he must've got the bob, you know, and they don't say it like that. They don't exactly think like that, but, but it's similar to uh, things that were going on a century ago in, in Bengal. They, they would have had the language to think, oh, he's got the bob, you know, just some nut, you know. Um, I know there was a guy, that, an Indian fellow who came to the Kirtan early days in London and he used to fall and faint on the ground and the devotees didn't know what to do. They wrote to Prabhupada about it. Prabhupada said, kick him in the head, see how he reacts. Um, if he's actually in Baba, then he won't, you know, won't even notice it. So of course they, did, they didn't have to kick him in the head. They got the point, you know. Um, so I've seen it that the devotees do kirtan wearing one colored sock and another and, uh, and um, they, uh, somebody in the public comes by and imitates them and they, you know, it's a story to tell somebody that somebody got purified by the name I so the you know I, I don't put a lot of uh, weight behind that kind of thing does, does, does that answer your question Greg hello uh, yes thank you Marj um yeah, just with the proliferation of kirtan these days, it just, I just see. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's there, yeah, excuse yeah. me, but, yeah, and then and, and almost, there's a lot of kirtan ears are kind of like living out their uh, youthful dreams to be part of a band or something like that, you know, and then kirtan becomes a form of entertainment. So kirtan should never be a form of really entertainment. It's, 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 it's a participatory event in the glorification of God. It's not something that's done for the pleasure of the audience, hmm? where six guys or gals are up on a stage and they're doing a musical performance and everybody's liking it, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and, and uh, the, the, the Kirtan ears have got their picture on the front of the album, you know, like there's some rock group or something like that. And it, so that's another uh, example. And we used to have, um, in, when Prabhu was here, there, there were, um, and one year there was a kirtan competition that the devotees arranged to different moths, different temples in Iskon would go on the stage and they, their, their kirtan stars, you know, would be up there and then there was a competition and then they included some Bengali groups as well to pretend as if they were, you know, non-sectarian. <laughs> there was no way one of those Bengali groups was going to win. Uh, but Prabhupada stopped the whole thing. He didn't like it. Mm. Competition. Who's the best? You know, Kirtan. You know, what? It's a. They're looking at it from a musical, entertainment. You know, kind of point of view. So there's a lot of that that, that goes on also. And, and there is also maybe this is what you're also getting at. This idea that that the philosophy just kind of divides people up. But Kirtan, we can all get together. You know. Um, but I wouldn't agree, agree with that. So there's a, there's a, there's a de-emphasis on, we don't know the answer, we just do kirtan. Hmm? Um, somebody should know the answer and that should, that should be part of informing you know, the, the kirtan. Um, there should be some proper understanding of tattva and the religious expression of that that grows out of that. Hmm? 
in the form of kirtan, uh, smarna, archan, and so forth, uh, ultimately comes ultimately turns in, 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 into bhava. So the bhava comes out of out of the tattva. So if you if you if the tattva is kind of put to the side, um, then you you know you have the potential of great potential for religious fanaticism. So, so I didn't mean to cut you off. You have something. Thank you very much. Yeah, but also I think the uh, the the I've seen just uh, like the possibility of it being used as as a money making scheme to, you know. I see. Yeah. Well, that's that's. Uh, oh, that's so how it felt anyway. Um, but. Uh, Maybe some places. Yeah, it's not for that. Thank you, Marsh. All right. Well, we've gone through the question. Yes, there are a couple written questions. Maybe I can answer them. I see one here from Maharaj. There are other questions that I have before those written questions came in. Well, I want to read one here from Sarda. I read that. Radharani is represented by the color gold that appears in Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Can you elaborate on this? And I find that this color of Radha is nice to meditate on. Yes, well, very briefly, that could lend to an extended answer, but very briefly, yes, uh, Radha's complexion is golden and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. That's a very, very interesting concept to, to, to realize the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. It's easy to say, it's not as easy to realize that Prajendananda, that's him, that's him, that's him. <laughs> there he is in another form. Wow, what, is it, what does it mean and how should I react to it? How should I respond to it and so forth? It's very um, extraordinary. But uh, that said, um, that dark Krishna, yes, he accepts the mood of Radha, or he's pursuing the mood of Radha to understand himself from her vantage point because he feels, Krishna feels that she sees something in him that he himself can't get at from his vantage point. And it causes her to uh, taste Rasa in such a way that she becomes attractive to him. You know, although he's Rasaraj, she's tasting uh, more rasa than him, so he to live up to his name, he has to become Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is then Krishna accepting the bhava of Radha and trying to look at himself, you know, from that vantage point. And with the acceptance of the bhava comes the, the color and the golden complexion. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is golden complected, like Radha, and that. Um, golden complexion that now Krishna is, is bearing is representative of her, her bhava. It is a nice meditation. There are some very nice verses of that. Radha bhava liti sulitam namo Krishna sarupam chaitanya charitam rita. And um, commented on some of those verses. The one I just cited in sacred preface, you can look there. Um, so it's a brief answer. Somebody else has an interesting question. Must be raining somewhere. Someone else says, by grace, someone says, another one, question. Um, 
Radha is, oh, that's the same question. No, Radha is represented by the color gold. Mm. Yes, you can meditate on that while doing Sankirtan. Very nice. Okay, good to talk with you all. Mm. So next, next Saturday, we'll be having a class um, at the same time as Sunday class. Um, and that'll be for Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's Disappearance Day. Um, so we hope everybody will be able to join us for that. And um, it looks like the translations went pretty smoothly today. So good. I think we got it. We got it down, maybe. Hopefully. Very good. Very nice. Nice to be with you all. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.